Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly. Sponsored by Insperity. HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Happy Friday, St. Louis. Hello. It's Hancock and Kelly in for our regular Friday gig. We we'll are. take you all the way to 11 o'clock. We'll be joining the show a little bit later. We good will. morning, Mr. Hancock. Yeah, it's not good. We spent some time together yesterday. We did. Go I, got a, I got the frowny face on my CPAP this morning. Yeah? Yeah, it's a bad day. What do you mean, a frowny face? Uh, so, you know, you get up in the morning and then you look at the CPAP for your first thing. And then some days you get a smiley face on that thing, a little green smiley face. Uh-huh. And it tells you it's going to be a good day. Yeah. Uh, today I had the little red frowny face on the uh, CPAP machine. Which which anticipates that it you might be that, tired? It tells me that my seal uh, was less than desirable last night on the uh, CPAP. So now, do you have one of these CPAPs that makes you look like um, uh, Darth Vader? The you know the no, hose buddy, going I, on? No, I got the little uh, you know right up the nostril there. Right, up, like you like you're in the hospital uh, in a in a, in a soap opera. It's a lovely opera. thing, and I, I'll tell you that the pressure through this thing, you know, you you can't feel it, and when you got the thing you know sticking in your nostril there, you can't feel it. But you, you pull it out a, a millimeter and a whoosh, whoosh. It's like a it's like a mighty breeze so, coming through. The, it's like standing on the on the shore of the Pacific Ocean and I the don't, breeze is blowing. I don't know much about CPAPs, but there there are two the kinds, right? There's one that goes in your nose, and then there's one that the goes mask. over your mouth. Yeah, I don't and have a mask. Let me tell you a quick little story for yeah. those of you who have a mask. Right. A buddy of mine who lives out in Hawaii. Uh-huh. He um, wakes up one morning and he's got a tickle in his throat. Mm. Doesn't get it, and you know he's like, "Man, I'm oh, not feeling well." Blah yeah. blah blah. Goes back to sleep. Wakes up the next morning. That tickle yeah. was a gecko lizard caught in the hose. Oh! So he goes to clean his hose. Oh. You know the the hose to the well, CPAP gotta, machine, and he pulls it out, and there's a dead gecko in there. Yeah, that's no good. He yeah, must have played around dis- in his mouth for disgusting. a while. That's disgusting. Doesn't that scare you? Well, you got to clean your hose. Yeah. You know, if you if, if you if you don't clean the hose, right, then you you know you you run the risk of having a gecko or a, a bacteria, perhaps. Can you imagine? Gets in there. Can you imagine? I wouldn't be able to put that thing back on my face. Oh, with a gecko? Yeah. Yeah. No. But you. But if you regularly clean the hose, Michael, well, I think you, you did you regularly clean. John, you, this is Hawaii. You, Something climbed in there. Well, but you you got to clean the hose, and, and and if you don't, so. Some people let the hose go too long right. before they clean the hose. Right, and uh, you're inviting danger. How often point. do you clean your? I clean uh, my apparatus? hose once a month. Once a month. Once a month. I clean well, the I, hose, and I, I, and I clean. So a it gecko could get in there if you had a face mask. Soap. Ooh, I Which is 99.94, I'm, 100% pure, and you don't want to be putting chemicals in the hose. I'm more partial to Irish Spring myself. Hey, I don't know about you, but uh, my commute to downtown is only a couple of miles. Yeah, mine's not. But the sunlight, it's just that oh, it's time horrible. of year where the sunshine is peaking right there at the same time that most of us are on the highway. Yes. Did you have to battle that this that morning? Was horrible. And another reason why this day is off to a terrible start. Not only did I get the frowny face on the CPAP, I had the sun in my eyes coming down Highway 40 this morning. And if we didn't turn the clock back. Right. If we didn't do this, you know, fall back in the spring, whatever they do with the clock. This would not be a problem. Well, and we get a double whammy, right? Because we're set up east to west here in St. Louis, yes. uh, hence the gateway to the west. So we're driving east when so, we come downtown. Right. And when you go mm-hmm. home at night on in the west, you know, the sun's setting there as well. Now, you and I uh, sometimes have been together, especially here in the wintertime, uh, where the sun is setting in the evening. And, boy, there's nothing prettier than a winter sunset. I guess. Uh, I don't like the sun in my eye, though. It, you know, I mean, it's right there. 
Right. It's just, it's right there. Do you have sunglasses? I got sunglasses. I got the visor. Uh-huh. You know, but the problem with the visor is if you put the visor where it blocks the sun, you can't see the road. Right. And so, you know, you got to make a call there. Do you want to see the road uh, or do you want to deal with the sun? And typically I will deal with the sun so that I can see the road. So this morning was extra cold in my garage when I went to go start the automobile. It did me one of these. It got started, but it it had that very slow start. Like, probably man, it a, is awfully chilly out yeah, here. Yeah, probably had a frowny face on the CPAP. It, it the may car. have had, a, uh-huh. and maybe some of its hoses are clogged. It's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So, but you made it. That's uh, that's always a good thing, man. We've got an action-packed show today, Mike. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I don't like to talk. I'll look. How are the guests doing? You reached out to all these guests. We've talked to a couple of people who are hopefully going to join us, yeah. but uh, we're going to do our politics segment when we come back, John Hancock. We are again uh, something that's becoming far too regular in St. Louis. News broke last night of police officers, officers being yeah. shot. Yep. Uh, that used to shut our entire town down, rightfully so. Now it's just a passing story. Yeah, Jane Duker's going to join us in the next hour and talk about the police officers who were shot overnight. Um, and also the marijuana dispensaries are opening up in uh, across the state of Missouri today. And I think that's a very bad thing. Michael, you disagree, perhaps. Well, we'll talk about that. And, hey, did you see this? The St. Louis Convention and Visitors Commission no is problem. asking for more money for convention expansion. You know, we've got tons of conventions coming to town. Yeah. Um, People and are clamoring to go to downtown St. Louis. The $127 million first phase, well, it's short some cash, and uh, they'd like to dip into some of that Ram settlement money. We'll talk a little bit about that. And John Hancock, we're going to talk about the GOAT. The GOAT, Ronnie O'Sullivan, the greatest snooker player of all. No. Well, no, it uh, could be there's a number of people, but one of the GOATs stepped away today, and he truly is the GOAT. But first, John Hancock, that we're going to do Tom something. Brady. You yeah. can't say that. You can't let the people. But that's We're trying to build suspense, brother. Oh, I'm oh, going to try to teach you some oh, radio tricks while oh, we're on today. Right, I appreciate hey, that. Hey, by the way, one of our tricks is is every uh, 10 minutes we go check on this. There it is. The Overhead Door Company of St. Louis Traffic Center. If anybody's there. Traffic is rolling smoothly out there. And, uh, no big stoppages on the highways. Uh, the sun has risen and... That's no longer slowing things down. Highway 40, 64, east and westbound, rolling fine. And Highway Sunshine, slow down. And 44, uh, no incidents to report at this time, unless, of course, something is happening yeah, out there. Yeah. That's the traffic report here on KMOX. Hancock and Kelly will be back after this. You and I in a little toy shop Buy a bag of balloons with the money we've got Set them free at the break of That's, dawn uh, Nina. Is that who that is? Yeah. She's got them balloons. 99 Luft balloons. Which means red. Is that what that is? Luft? Yeah. Red. 99 Luft. red balloons. There they are. Yeah. I think she re- re- uh, redid the song. But uh, the reason we're playing this, John, there is a balloon, balloon. flying over the United States. Chinese that's about balloons. the size of three buses. Wow. Think about that. Um, and it's obviously uh, been decided by our uh, intelligence folks that this is a spying a spying balloon. Now, you know, we've got satellites that literally sit over China and spy all the time, and they have satellites that spy on us. Uh-huh. I don't know of any time we've had a balloon flying over our country spying on us. Are you aware of that? No, I shoot that thing down. Well, the the military is saying they can't shoot it down because they wouldn't know where it was going to land and it could hit a populous area. That's a balloon. 
I well, I understand, but I, I mean, bet there's a bunch of equipment you there. You pop a balloon, and you know what's a pop balloon going to do? Yeah. Well, I mean, interesting. I, I'd shoot it down if it were. I mean, if it were me, yeah. I would shoot the balloon down. Yeah. Well, obviously. I don't want the Chinese looking over New Mexico. And, what the heck are they doing over New Mexico anyway? Well, it's I mean, Montana. What, oh, well, same thing. What are, What are you going to find over Montana? Well, Montana has all the nuclear weapons silos. Oh, hey now, oh. see, Kelly knows some stuff, doesn't uh, yeah, he? Yeah, that's a. So your shocking. your thought is we ought to shoot this thing out of the sky, huh? I would I would take care of the balloon. Well, uh, this is an interesting situation. This has been discovered uh, happening, and it's uh, you know it's obviously able to move across the country. They're able to make it fit in places. The country's trying to deal with it. This is the same time our Secretary of State is preparing on a trip to go to Beijing. Yeah. Uh, imagine there'll be quite some talks yeah, happening there. Yeah, I mean, there. you know, all frivolity aside, uh, China, I think, represents the greatest threat to this country, uh, both militarily and economically. And um, I it, don't know that... I think we have treated China for far too long, both parties, uh, as an as a competitor instead of as an adversary, and I think that has been a a mistake, and it may come back to bite us one of these days. And I'm so concerned about that. China's the biggest threat. It's not transgender kids like it appears that uh, most of the Republicans in our country want to be dealing with, or Elian Omar, one of the squad, John Hancock, who has been kicked off of a committee. In Washington, D.C., this is obviously some uh, tit-for-tat, if you will, between the Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, and I don't like to see it because it started with Nancy Pelosi would not seat Marjorie Taylor Greene or Paul Gosar on committees when she was Speaker. And then you had the January 6th committee, and she wouldn't seat um, uh, Jim Jordan uh, or Matt Gates on that committee. And it is the Speaker's prerogative, ultimately, at the end of the day. But the, the history of the Congress has been that the minority party was able to select and place their members on the committees that they wanted to. And that worked perfectly well for, you know, two couple of centuries. And when that pattern changed with Pelosi, uh, McCarthy is kind of... You know, yeah, pay, paybacks are held. But but the January sixth committee. I mean, come on, Matt Gates uh, and and uh, Jim Jordan were both proponents of the insurrection that happened on January sixth. I don't think they let the arsonists sit on the jury. No, but I mean, even before that, it was uh, Marjorie Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar, and both well, Paul of them, Gosar threatened to kill Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. But the problem is, you've set a precedent at that point, and now. Kevin McCarthy mm. has followed up on that precedent by expelling Democrats from oh, committees. The problem here, John, is that the Republican Party has lost control. You all have members that are out doing wacky stuff. You have a former We're president that's out doing wacky stuff. We're and rather alone. than calling it out, rather than than dealing with it, you all are embracing it because they're because what you need their two votes for speaker. Yeah. And, you know, the Republican Party does not have a monopoly on crazy members of Congress. Okay, give me, give me an example. Ilhan of, Omar. Right, right. Uh, Anti-Semite. Uh, you've got... Uh, uh, Donald Trump. Anti-Semite. Okay, I'm, all I'm saying, Michael, I'm not defending Republicans here. I'm saying that it is inaccurate to portray Republicans as having a monopoly on crazy people in Congress. Well, they you seem not. to have the majority of them. Can we agree on that? No. Uh, I think the numbers are pretty equal, uh, 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 honestly. Do you see any of our people walking around with submachine gun pens? Because no. you, you all talk about mental health being one of the main drivers of what's happening related to mass shootings. 
Uh, well, we don't see brains on the uh, people with the lapel pins. No, we're seeing them walk around with AR, whatever they're called, pins. I mean, the Republican Party's losing its mind, and y'all aren't policing your own. Well, uh, they, you have some truth to that, but, uh, you know, we I mean, we've got some folks in Congress that I'm not particularly proud of. So one of those folks that you all kind of have embraced over the last, well, six years, he was the former president of the United States. He now poses a threat to potentially win the Republican primary again. John Hancock, we hear that Nikki Haley's going to jump in. Uh, uh, President Trump called her an over... Uh, an overambitious woman, huh, isn't that nice, right? Mm. Only men can be overambitious, uh, according to him. Uh, you have uh, John Sununu and so many others that may jump into this race. Of course, Ron DeSantis is out there. The circus has started, has it not? It has, and we'll see what happens. You know, I think it's pretty clear now. Anybody that that follows politics and government as closely as you and I do. It's pretty clear that Donald Trump cannot win a November general election nationally. I'm I'm convinced of it. Even against Joe Biden, who's a horrible candidate. And so the question's going to become does the Republican electorate recognize that reality and look elsewhere or uh are they going to go all in for a third Donald Trump presidential campaign? And I I hope that doesn't happen because I think a, a third Donald Trump presidential campaign in November of 2024 is going to yield a Democratic president that might be Joe Biden at this point. Although, uh, you know, I don't I don't think Biden should run, but it's certainly looking like he's going to. Well, who knows? I, I still don't think that the president will run for re-election. Well, but don't, don't you think if he's not, he's got to get out? Well, soon? yeah, absolutely. Because you, you can't you can't handicap your party if you're not going to run. You can't drag this thing out for months and months and months because people well, have to put a campaign together but, and raise some money. Yeah, but there is a going. unique set of circumstances happening right now, and that is that Donald Trump, uh, a person who cannot win a national election, is leading in the Republican polls. John, does it bring you some pause that the former president is going to places like South Carolina and he's got the governor and the, the United States Senator Lindsey Graham all standing with him this early, endorsing him for president of the United States, even after three loss elections? This man has quite a schedule laid out over the next couple of months. He's going to be putting a lot of those senators on the spot for their endorsements. He is. And, uh, you know, uh, Jody Stefanik is, uh, or Elise Stefanik from New York, the number four ranking Republican member of Congress, is endorsed Donald Trump. And he is racking up a lot of institutional endorsements, which I find kind of ironic given the fact that he's an anti-establishment candidate. But all of these institutional elected Republicans are lining up and endorsing him. Uh, I don't know that endorsements mean much in primaries. I mean, ever so often, I think the Jim Clyburn endorsement of Joe Biden made a big difference in 2020. But typically, uh, I don't think endorsements really mean that much to the voters. Our own flamethrowing Senator uh, Eric Schmidt uh, made an appeal to the Republicans in the United States Senate uh, that he would like to have been on the Judiciary Committee. Um, both uh, currently serving on the Judiciary Committee is our own Josh, Josh Hawley. Mm-hmm. Um, and normal protocol in the United States Senate is that you can't have two senators on the same committee right. from the same state. Eric Schmidt made the case, hey, I was the attorney general. I have a better understanding of this. He asked to be on that committee. Now, it's interesting. He voted against Mitch McConnell to be well, the leader of the Senate and then asks him to make an exception for him to be on this committee. Yeah, of course, Josh Hawley also was the attorney general of Missouri. 
And uh, yeah, when you vote against your party's leader in a, in a chamber of Congress, you're probably not going to get the things you ask for. I mean, that's kind of that's at least that part of the old school politics still stands. Uh, there was never a chance that Eric Schmidt was going to get the judiciary uh, appointment. It would have been an extraordinary move to have two Missourians on that committee. It's not going to happen. But, you know, Schmidt's got an opportunity here, I think, early on in his six-year term. And the, the six-year term in the U.S. Senate is, you know, if you're a politician, it's a wonderful thing. There is no longer term of any elective office anywhere in the country. And he has an opportunity here in this first six months a year. He's going to define himself. He's either going to be um, a guy that's going to put his head down, get to work, build relationships, forge coalitions, and become a legislator. And I, I hope he certainly has that capacity. Uh, or uh, he's going to be somebody that's going to, you know, toss bombs and uh, make a name for himself and become, you know, pursue the celebrity route and, uh, you know, show up on the news and say bombastic things. It's one of those two things. And he's got to make that determination. He's, I'm sure he's made it already. Well, if And you, he's got to implement those. Uh, and we'll see over the next six months. We'll see what kind of senator Eric Schmidt's going to be. I hope uh, he's an effective legislator because he has it in him to be one. Well, he has been, and then he switched. And But if you keep an eye on his Twitter handle, John Hancock, it seems to be uh, mainly full of those bomb throws that you talked about. Hey, before we go here real quick, interesting uh, conversation taking place in Jefferson City. Uh, want to reform the way that we do initiative petition and constitutional amendments in the state of Missouri. Um, obviously a very Republican state, but when things have gone to statewide ballots, some very progressive ideas have passed, whether it be a raise in the minimum wage, the legalization of marijuana, uh, all the way down to gambling and so many other issues that have been brought up. Medicaid, Medicaid, Medicaid expansion. Shouldn't the voters of the state of Missouri be able to weigh in on that stuff? Why are the Republicans wanting to make it harder for stuff to be able to be passed by the voters of the state of Missouri? Well, I think there's a concern that it's it's pretty easy to get on the ballot. You just have to pay. If you've got the money, you can pay a signature firm to go out and get the signatures. And I think they want to make it... Um, you know, more of a hurdle. If you're going to actually amend the state constitution, it shouldn't be easy. And I think that's the point they're making. Now, I kind of, I kind of like having direct democracy where people can go out and collect signatures and put issues on the ballot. Let people vote. I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem yeah. with letting the voters decide. Well, stuff. I mean, let's remember this is a state that the legislature passed right to work, and it was the voters who came and said, rolled that back and said no. So the people want to have their voice. The Republicans want to make that harder. It will be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it they, does have some strange bedfellows. There are some Democrats that side with wanting to make it harder yeah, as well. Yeah, there, there's a, there's a case to be made for what the Republicans are doing. Two police officers shot yesterday in St. Louis. We'll talk about that next hour on KMOX. Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Well, you heard it right there from Stuart McMillan in the news, just uh, what seems to be too regular of an occurrence uh, in St. Louis. Two St. Louis police officers were hit by gunfire and are critically injured and in hospitals right now as they uh, responded to. Uh, a car that had been used uh, had been stolen uh, in the Soulard area, John Hancock, and um, wound up pursuing that suspect. That suspect got out, shot them both in the torso. 
the police officers returned fire, eventually got the suspect in the ankle. Uh, all three of them are in the hospital right now, and here we go again with more police shootings. Yeah, uh, you hate to see it. And you, here you've got officers who are pursuing a suspect, which is a good thing. And they fall in the line of duty, and they're they're hospitalized. Uh, we're joining us right now is Jane Duker. Uh, she is a represents police officers and staff of the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department. She also works with the Police Officers Association and the Fraternal Order of Police in St. Louis City and County. Jane, welcome to KMOX. How are you this morning? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. So walk us through what exactly happened with these officers. Um, I mean, Michael summarized it pretty well. Um, they were pursuing a truck that, that had been involved in a robbery and stolen vehicle. And um, the perpetrator got out of the car and, and shot at police. And they were able to get uh, gunfire out, off to um, mildly injure the uh, suspect. And Jane, and, these two officers right now sit in different hospitals in St. Louis. Uh, mm -hmm. The news reported that they're critical but stable. Uh, any further developments that you can share with us? No, that's, I mean, that's about right. Um, yeah, they were both shot in the torso, which, you know, is always um, a dangerous thing. And um, so, yeah, everybody's praying for them and uh, want a speedy recovery. We had one more experienced officer with a, uh, I believe, eight years of experience and then one only, or maybe even more, and then one with only two years of experience. So, um you know, we just hope for a speedy recovery. But, it, you know, it's um, it's rough out there. And, um, I, you know, the, the chief who uh, the police officers are cautiously optimistic. Um, he's experienced. He has the right credentials. But I think that he, you know, may have had a misstep last night in the press conference where he said, you know, let's not turn this into a St. Louis issue. This is happening everywhere. And, um, one, I think that downplays what's actually happening here, and it's happening here at a much higher level. And um, I think that, you know, this city makes a choice every day to not address crime. We're not policing and we're not prosecuting. Jane, these are two and officers that were struck last night. It, it you, know, mm -hmm. you know, just a short 10 years ago, it seems like we had a cop shooting potentially once a year. Uh, this seems to be oh, yeah. a regular occurrence. Uh, I can't even uh, think of all the shootings that we've had just in the last six months. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating. I mean, just yesterday, there was a double homicide down in South St. Louis. So people are getting shot during day during the day at, you know, ATMs right there at Hampton and Chippewa. I mean, these are places where people don't normally expect to have violent crime. And this idea that we're just going to ignore it is, I mean, we're seeing that. Um, when you have someone who, you know, shoots at police and gets to go home that evening, um, it sends the wrong message um, as to what we're dealing with here. And so, I, you know, I think, I think political leaders in the city are making a choice every day to not do what needs to be done to make people safe in the city of St. Louis, not only the residents of the city, but the people who visit the city every day or want to visit the city every day. But don't feel safe. I mean, I, you know, we can gloss over it, but let's face it. People in the surrounding areas of the city are nervous about going to the city. Well, there's no question about it, and myself included. You know, you, you see things like this. This was a robbery suspect, and the police are pursuing the robbery suspect. Well, I'll tell you, Jane, mm -hmm. one of the concerns that I have 
it, we've got such a culture now of lawlessness in this community. Yeah. And yeah. and the police officers understand that a lot of these people are not going to get prosecuted at the end of the day. They've seen it. They've lived it. They they know it. And here they're called upon to put their lives in jeopardy by pursuing a robbery suspect who, in some likelihood, is never going to see the the inside of a prison cell. And at what point? At what point do the officers get so exasperated that responding to those kind of calls, you know, is maybe not their highest priority? I, I do worry about that. Is that something that's a legitimate concern? Well, I mean, obviously, they, you know, police officers want to help. And they, you know, they don't go into this profession because it's safe or because it's easy. And when they're prevented from doing what they feel is necessary to keep citizens and themselves safe, yes, it's very frustrating. Morale is at an all-time low in the department. There's just no, there's no way around it. And, um, you know, the, you make it harder each day for them to say that people actually care about what they're doing. And, you know, citizens are great, and the citizens support police. They do. And, um, but it is frustrating when the administration um, doesn't. And, you know, there are just signs of that every day. And never once does anybody get up and say, you know, where's the mayor saying, this is wrong. We, we do not shoot at our police officers. Well, you typically know, in we the past when there's a police shooting, we see the mayors show up at the hospitals. Uh, maybe Absolutely. the mayor was there last night. I'm not sure. You know, Jane, one of, the, aware of. one of the things that also seems to be problematic is, you know, lots of people who are listening to KMOX right now don't live in the city of St. Louis. Um, and in the past, they've probably chalked this up to, hey, that's all in the city. It's crazy down there. I'll just go to the ball game. But with this um, blatant decision to really relax policing in the city uh, and then certainly not prosecute bad actors, Crime's not sitting still. We're starting to see it push into the other communities, aren't we? Absolutely. And here's also the frustration from a regional perspective is the failure to police and prosecute in the city is actually straining all of the surrounding jurisdictions, police departments, because they have to pick up the slack. And, um, you know, the mayor has said many times, and I agree with her on this, that crime doesn't stop at the border. Now, if the city doesn't want to police and prosecute, you know, if you could put up a wall and prevent that from, you know, um, seeping out into everywhere else, that would be one thing. But that's not the case. And it's negatively impacting the entire region. St. Louis is supposed to be the economic engine of the state. And um, crime is inhibiting that. And that's why you see the state legislature wanting to get involved, because not only do they want to save human beings, um, you know, the thousand people who have been shot and killed in the last five years. Um, but they also believe that from an economic standpoint, this is turning into a statewide issue. Jane Duker is our guest. She represents the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department and does a lot of work in the county with the Fraternal Order of Police as well. The numbers uh, of police officers, we've been down from our census for a number of years now. How short-staffed are we in the St. Louis Police Department? I mean, it, you know, the numbers shift. Um, but, you know, there were 1,300 officers um, on St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department when um, the city got local control 10 years ago. Now, granted, population has decreased, but but crime isn't. I mean, 
you know, when you look at the the number of murders per 100,000 people, we are we are like near the top, if not hot top in the United States. So right now, um, you know, they've got about 450 officers for patrolling um, in the 23 budget. Uh, patrol was cut $10 million. Wow. So that's devastating and it's difficult. And so, you know, you have six police districts. You're lucky if you get four or five police officers in a district uh, for any eight hour shift. And that just isn't, it isn't safe. It's not safe for the officers and it's not safe for citizens. And so we have a problem. There's not a lot of recruiting going on last year. uh, Almost 200 officers left. Year before it was 180. Um, they probably got in two years maybe 80 replacements. So I mean, you know, you're looking at 300 that have left in the last two years. Hmm. So we have Mount Exodus, which is uh, which is at the police department. You know, it's a it's a 12 foot wide, eight foot high pile of uniforms of the, all the officers that have left, and it's discouraging. And look. It's not like there's not staffing problems all over, but but this is at a much higher level. And it's a money issue. It's a culture issue, um, you know, and those those need to be fixed. And, and what's frustrating is those things are fixable. They're fixable, but you have a political, you know, group of people who don't want it fixed. And there's no other way to say it. I don't know. You can't sugarcoat it. You have to say that, you know, we've been waiting for more than two years to get a collective bargaining agreement with the city of St. Louis. Well, it is disconcerting to hear uh, about what's going on, the staff shortages, the Mm -hmm. the police officers shot. Again, crime continuing to run rampant. Jane Duker, thanks so much for your time this morning and uh, for sharing your insight about what's happening in the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department. When we come back, we're going to talk about... Marijuana dispensaries opening up across the state today. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Michael Kelly and John Hancock will break down the dope when we return on X. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Happy Friday, St. Louis, and welcome back to the Hancock and Kelly Show. Little Ben Harper here. Burning one down, pal. Never heard of it. Remember, that's a college song, you know? It's all about burning uh, a joint down. Huh. Yeah. Good stuff. Never heard it before. That's John Hancock over there. He's never heard of Burn One Down. Uh, I'm Michael Kelly, although I think he may have forgotten his college days. Uh, Today, adult-use recreational cannabis can be sold in Missouri dispensaries, so consumers no longer need a medical license, John Hancock. Uh, there's about 170 of the existing medical uh, dispensaries uh, that are going to be able to sell recreational marijuana. Now, we are familiar with this because in Illinois, a recreational marijuana has been legal for almost three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's come to Missouri. This is one of the places where the voters of the state of Missouri uh, spoke Narrowly. up and voted and, and implemented this in opposition to what the legislature had asked for. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, let's do. just speak about, from a government standpoint, it, it's undoubtedly going to bring more revenue to the state of Missouri. If uh, if you've ever been to Illinois and passed by one of those dispensaries, you see nothing but uh, Missouri cars lined up to purchase uh, cannabis and bring it back to Illinois. Um, 
that won't be the case anymore. Lots of people will stay here in St. Louis and just uh, pick up their marijuana and go home from there, leaving all that tax dollars here. So here's the thing. Uh, the tax dollars is, in in my opinion, a specious argument because, you know, that was what we were sold for gambling. If we if we just pass the lottery, we're going to get more money for education. And what do we know today? Well, there's not enough money for education. Teachers aren't making enough money. If we just pass casino gambling, that's more money for education. It brings more money to the state. And what do we see? We pass casino gambling now. It's everywhere in the state of Missouri. Uh purportedly it's millions of dollars into the state revenue coffers yet state doesn't have enough money we have to pass a gas tax to fix the roads a few years ago and so the the idea that you're doing this to generate revenue i think is a but, bogus argument well but, but hold on a second though the argument you're making the voters went with intent for the money from gambling to go to education yeah. And from marijuana, they wanted it to go to disabled veterans. Yeah, it's the legislature that goes down there, John Hancock, and backs that money out. So if people wanted to be upset, it doesn't matter. What I'm saying is, government can never get enough money. Government will always need more, and so so that's not the that's not the issue here with with the legalized dope. It's not it's not about putting more money into the state government. I fear. That having legalized dope is is going to be a net uh, negative for society. Uh, you got you're going to have people walking around stoned out there trying to you know do jobs, driving cars. Uh, you're introducing, and I I get the argument, the moral equivalency argument as it relates to alcohol. I understand that, but two wrongs don't make a right, and I don't see that there's a real benefit uh, from having this stuff legal out there and. Uh, I would hasten to add, I think you're just creating with these dispensaries more targets of crime. It would not shock me to see these gangs in St. Louis breaking into these dispensaries and stealing the product. Okay. And, you know, so but, there's all of that. Plus, plus the, the actual bill that we passed in the, uh, the voters passed was a bill that was put together by the medical marijuana industry, giving themselves a monopoly on this thing, which is a horrible thing to do. It's a self-interest, self-dealing. They go to the ballot box to enrich themselves, and I just find that morally offensive. Uh, Appreciate the arguments and probably agree with a lot of what you just had to say. Mm. But isn't government supposed to rule people on the rule laws that they want? This People of the state of Missouri passed this legislation. I agree with you. I don't think it should be a constitutional amendment. should never have been written the way that it was. The legislature was doing its job. Yep. Uh, they're too busy chasing down transgendered kids as opposed to dealing with substantive issues in this state. Um, and so as a result, John, uh, the voters went and passed this. It's not their fault that the legis- that, that the industry wrote this legislation. It's right. the legislature's. And are we to be one of the only states that doesn't implement legalization of marijuana when it's going to almost 40 states yeah, right now? I mean, so would you feel how should well then taking your thought of approach, we ought to roll back the uh, the 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 liquor laws in this state as well because that also has a downfall to society and and problems and a lot of that money that's being taxed isn't going to where it needed to be. Aren't we really just turning ourselves into the handsmaid tale uh, and no. trying to roll back what the people actually want well, when you make the argument the people, you just did. What the people actually want. Uh, you had a you had an amendment put on the ballot by a, an interested industry that wrote the bill 
and then financed the campaign, and they put millions of dollars to pass it. There was zero money spent on the other side of that issue. And but that's not new, John, in I, politics. I, I we I, just had a zoo campaign to build a second zoo in St. Louis. There was no opposition to that. It was all zoo lovers who were out spending money. Well, you got to love the zoo. That, but, uh, all that saying, was written by the zoo people. All I'm saying is that there was no money spent to tell the other side of this thing, and, and it passed. So, I mean, the will of the people, whatever, I take the will of the people with a grain of salt when, you know, you've spent... Eight, ten, fifteen million dollars convincing people that this is what you know in their best interest, and nobody's telling them otherwise, and they go and vote for it uh, by a small well, majority. Well, I don't. There's just so much here that 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 is problematic to me that you make that argument and, because so many things get put to the ballot where it's only been funded on one side. Right. In fact, there's been road transportation taxes and cigarette tra- taxes that have been proposed, and the money's only on one side. Oh, no, the it really taxes, comes down to what the people want. The cigarette taxes and are opposed. Are the, we the going to continue company. to be a backward state that's going to allow every other state? To implement what people want. Another perfect example of this is internet um, gambling and to be able to gamble on games. Right now, there's thousands of people on Saturdays and Sundays who are driving over in Illinois just so they can go place their wager on, on a sporting event because our legislature won't do it. I guarantee if we put it on the ballot here in John... People are going to pass it because it's well, what they thank want. Goodness. Thank goodness we live in a place where you can gamble at your leisure and get high anytime you want. That's Michael Kelly, and I'm John Hancock. We need to step aside for the news. We need more money for the convention center. <laughs> Do we really? We'll talk about that next on Cable X. That's Beyonce Hancock. Oh, good. Good for He's coming to St. Louis. Good for He's going to be at the Dome at America Center good in August 21st. Enough money to continue to have that dome there. We're going to talk about the Convention and Visitors Commission and all the money that we're talking about putting in there and the latest crisis that exists. Stuart's in here. One of the more pressing (laughs) things that we heard in our local news is there was a beer truck crash. Uh, Yes. Roger Brand had been covering it all morning long in, in, in Jefferson County. So it's going to be some tears this weekend, I think. Yeah, well, and, now, I heard in the newscast that they were they sent somebody to see if the beer was still drinkable. Yeah, so the, they sent the health department down there to see if some of it was salvageable. And? We're gonna we're checking into this. This is going to be a follow up story of mine well, for the here, afternoon. Here's how, the, here's how that interview is going to go. Yeah. So is, is the beer drinkable? <laughs> well, you know it's not so bad. It, uh, we try a little of the Bud Light and uh, some of the Michelob Ultra. Uh, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a little worried that well, the health department might get tanked. Well, you are you are um, implying that it's an AB vehicle. Exactly. Maybe it's the new Yingling. Maybe it's a new well, Yingling. Could be some Coors. Well, if it's, <laughs> if it's cores, they won't be. They won't be. They should have just opened it up to use it to put out the fire. <laughs> <laughs> we got all the water we need right here. So Stu McMill, uh, Stu McMill, how long you been doing news for us here, Kim Alex? Thirty know, a couple, years. Couple years. Yeah. And so in the last month or so, Stu years. has come in and he's had. A Raleigh's fi- a Raleigh fingers, fingers. mustache. Yeah, little <laughs> and, and and you walk in today because we wanted to know if the beer was drinkable, right. and it's gone. What yeah. happened? The it, mustache, it, not the beer. The yeah. beer, the beer is still the beer there. Is still We're going to check in with the beer. Right. Yeah, but the mustache. The is mustache gone. is gone. So, I don't know. Um, you know, I ask my wife all the time. Do you still like it? Yeah. Do you still like the mustache? Because that's Cause the only vote that counts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you know, it's not how I look. It just takes so much trouble to keep it going. I have a comb it every day. Comb the I've got to put uh, oils in it. The and oils make sure, in the mustache, and and even wax it from time the to time. The wax on the mustache. <laughs> 
Unbelievable. And then and then is it hard to make those curly cues? Or Actually, does that the happen curly naturally? Cues is the like, curly cues are it, easy. Oh, yeah. They yeah. come pretty quick. Yeah, but so, you got to have the wax on that thing. And if you don't, then they're not they're very not curly. curly. Are cues. you technically flammable when you have that much wax <laughs> on you? No. <clears throat> I don't see very many smokers having handlebar mustaches. Well, so. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. point. You know, you think about that. Yeah. See, I'm jealous of guys like Stu who can actually grow a beard. I mean, this you, is like six days worth of growth going on here. So let me let me paint a picture, folks, because this is the radio. Well, so just Michael, picture George Clooney. Michael Kelly. <laughs> Michael Kelly's sitting over here. Up in the air on that one, I think. He's got little splotches on his face. Little, little, I don't know. It's like a, a, a millimeter. We call it scruff. Yeah, scruff. And, you know, which, you know, you think, oh, he forgot to shave this morning. No. Uh-uh. When's the last time he shaved? Sunday morning when Sunday before our show. Now, so it's Friday. Uh-huh. So let's see. You got Sunday, and this is all I can get, dude. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That would be five days. Now, before I take and, too much from you, look at how much hair I got on my head, though. Uh, yeah, well, well I, yeah. My hair grows, too. I look like Bernie Sanders if I don't get a haircut in three weeks. So, but but you're not growing any. I mean, that's unbelievable to me. Yeah. Me, I shave every well, day. And I don't, have, I don't have a wife like that's a weighing in like on whether or not, like, Stuart. Yeah, but you have a mirror. That's yeah. the thing that bothers me, too. Is that you, you look Excellent at the mirror. Point. You look at the mirror, and I'm not just saying you. Yeah. I'm saying everybody. The universe. And I, <laughs> I have one too because every time I, I would look at it, I'd say, "Is I this don't look still in the mirror?" Oh, you just, <laughs> I, I, you just so walk by it. Keep honestly, going. Keep going. So I get out of this. Is a true story. <laughs> oh my! We had our bathroom redone. Uh huh. So we got two sinks in there. Lovely. Yeah. And his and hers. Uh, yeah. And the, so there's a mirror above each sink. Uh huh. So you can look at yourself when you get to the sink. So I get out of the shower and I, you know, I don't look at myself. <laughs> I, I do. I brush my teeth and I do the, you know, the, you know, the deodorant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then I get dressed. And so when I get dressed, I put the towel on the rack and I stand in between the two mirrors so that I can't see <laughs> well, what's happening. And I get dressed. Well, good for you. I haven't looked at myself in about twenty five years. Well, Stu, you look marvelous. <laughs> well, thank you. Sir. Thank you for coming. Now, are well, you going to uh, be heading to Jefferson County to help. test the beer? <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't at this point? Yeah. I'm a, I'm yeah. just, uh, you may have to grab one of those Camelwax trucks and get <laughs> down there and make sure if it's they, drinkable. By the way, how do they transport beer? It's not just like swimming in the... There's not like a truck with a bunch of beer, right? I mean, Are you really asking in, this? You've never seen beer be delivered <laughs> to a bar or a restaurant? It's in kegs, right? Yeah. It's kegs of beer. Or, yeah. or bottles or cans. Yeah. Huh. And it comes in lots of uh, different forms different these days. Ways. Is that right? Yeah. Well, how about that? If See, it's on, this, if is, it's, this is what happens with these pot smokers. They forget it's what it's on, like to be a drinker and don't know how it gets Especially today. Today's I want to get a report uh, on the beer. We'll see what happens. Right. Um, right. Thank, you, Stuart. It's my, Thank you, Stuart. It's, it's in my list. Thank you, Stuart. Hey, John Hancock, did yes. you see this? Yes. The second phase of the downtown St. Louis oh, Convention right. and Center expansion will not proceed if officials don't give it an additional $30 million. Yeah, yeah. So it's a $127 million first phase. It was to expand uh, the convention center, put in some more ballrooms, deal with uh, the problems re- dealing with the, the truck and loading dock, which needed to be dealt with. Uh, Kitty Radcliffe, the head of the Convention and Visitors Commission, showed up uh, yesterday at a committee hearing asking for $30 million of the RAM settlement to be earmarked to uh, the completion of, phase, of this phase of the convention center. Now, you and I did have Bob Clark on. We did. Uh, the Clayco executive. Uh, it's got to be about six months ago now. And yep. when we were getting ready to start on this, and he said, we don't have enough money to do this. Um, don't start it. Don't start it. And we need to have a more uh, broader thought process. Does he have a I told you so uh, to be able to uh, argue course, these days? Of course. And here's the thing. I don't. I can't imagine that we're 
breaking records for hosting conventions in the city of St. Louis these days. And this is this is the equivalent. P- pouring money into the convention center right now is the equivalent of having an infestation of mold in your house and spending money to redec- redecorate the living room. Because we have a crime problem in this city. And to the extent that we've got extra money, and we do, thanks to the Rams settlement, thanks to the federal government dumping money, we've got a billion dollars sitting around the city of St. Louis, use it to address the crime problem. Uh, Fixing the convention center while you've got rampant crime is not going to accomplish anything because guess what? People aren't going to come here. And I think, you know, I I think we're all missing the point and they're... uh, I'm convinced, Michael, that we're, they're going to the city is going to squander that money, uh, and they're going to do it, and it's going to be spent and done, and we're going to see very little from it, and it's well, going to be a great tragedy. Let me defend. Let me defend the convention business. First of all, the convention business still has going here. We just had a major convention uh, of college kids and high school kids from Catholics who came from around the country. Mm. Uh, there's lots of business that comes as a result of the convention center here in St. Louis. I think, Bob, one of the other parts of Bob Clark's uh, argument was is we're essentially putting Band-Aids on an old elephant yep. when what we need to do is be, you know, come up with something new uh, to compete with the Nashvilles. Nashville just rolled out this beautiful convention center. Well, that's it. And it's state of the art. And his argument was, hey, there's a way to start over and do some of this stuff. Kitty Radcliffe has argued, hey, wait a minute, we've got a lot of stuff on the books we need to make some tweaks to our convention center, but there's still a market for us out there. So I see all sides of the argument. What what I don't see is this was predictable. There wasn't enough money when we started this process to yep. finish this phase. And I don't think and was it done going to get it either. Was it done intentionally? Um, or why why did we not have all of our ducks in a row? I mean, there's a lot of hotels. We talk a lot about Union Station. We talk a lot about uh, the, the, the Convention and Center Hotel and the need to be able to fill that up. There's lots of jobs tied to that, and that's what the Convention Center brings, and keeping that sustaining is important. But making long-term decisions on whether or not we ought to be putting Band-Aids on this old elephant seems to me to be a smarter conversation. And we've had that thing, what, it's going on 30 years, probably 91, 92 is when that thing was built, you know, and I don't know what the life cycle of these things are, but you're right. Cities like Nashville, um, Indianapolis, Louisville, Memphis, Louisville, uh, Little Rock, blowing past us in in their capacity. And, And here we have a real crime problem. We also have a real crime perception problem. Both are true. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're, if you if you want to build up St. Louis as a destination city, other than baseball, which it is for baseball, it's a destination city. But other than for baseball, you you've got to solve the crime problem. And well, I see no evidence that the people in charge have any interest in solving the crime problem. And I see no evidence that the people in charge have any interest in bringing private capital well, into but, this but, city to invest and grow and expand and build. But this convention center is important to the state, it's important to the county, and it's important to the city. All the decisions from the convention center are being made under those uh, auspices. Why are we allowing crime to run rampant in the city, which is ultimately going to kill our business? Ding, ding, you know, ding. you and I have talked about this, and I'm going to bring up a word that really got uh, bastardized around Ooh. St. Louis over the last Ooh. decade or so. But better together yeah. had it in our approach to start to put together some regional governments, whether we're dealing with crime, our conventions, 
our uh, incentive pro packages, our, our economic development issues, all of them are more complicated in the St. Louis area because of the fractured nature of our governments. We continue to look at every new idea of consolidation of governments and to start to deal with things regionally as a, no, we've never done that before. Well, guess what, folks? In the 90s, we were building the Metrolink. We were building a new convention center because we were expanding. Today in 2023, we're losing population. People are fleeing the city. Some of our suburbs are starting to lose population because they can't lure business opportunities because of the crime problem that exists in St. Louis. Now, we can all sit here and we can talk about how great things used to be in that brewery that we used to have and how great this arch is. But until we're going to start to address what we're dealing with today, we're going to continue to see this region die and we're going to continue to see people leave. And it's sad. Here, here. It is so sad to watch, watch what is happening. And for us to sit here and and make excuses for this fractured government is ridiculous. And that's the voice of Michael Kelly, and he's, for once, making some sense over there. And uh, we appreciate that, Michael. And then when we come back, the unemployment rate has gone up by one in this country. Tom Brady is no longer employed. That's next on KMOX. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first, so I uh, won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year, so I uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, He's thinking thank you guys for Tom allowing Brady, me to live c- considered by many to be the greatest quarterback in the history of the National Football League. Announcing who his else is in the conversation? After 23 years. Well, a lot of people. No. Yeah. There's nobody in the conversation there. Oh, I think there are. Yeah. I think he is in the rarefied air of Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Muhammad Ali. Um, he is in. He is the greatest to play at his sport. Um, and it's inarguable. You just look at the rings, look at what he's done. Yeah, whatever. And, uh, John, he's 45 years old. I, I personally was hoping he'd come back because there are two teams out there. One of them, doggone, went to the Super Bowl, the San Francisco 49ers, with a fifth-string quarterback. Uh, and the guy that didn't have an arm. Yeah, and you put Tom Brady in there, that, that team wins next year. Maybe. Um, but you, you, you don't think he's the greatest? No, he, he probably is. I just, I'm not a big... You know, he the guy blew up his marriage to play football. For you don't know that. More. Well, I mean, you that, don't know that. I don't know that, but that's certainly been reported that that was a major issue within that marriage that she wanted him to get out of football. Why? Because she was worried about his long term health, uh, and he chose uh, against the wishes of his bride to play football for one more year, and he played it for one more year, and that's poof. Now it's it's over. Yeah, and that's that's the hard part is that he goes out like this because the guy still is he's he's a top five quarterback in the NFL, uh, and if he had a team that had an offensive line in front of him, uh, he could have done it. Uh, I, like I said, if he was in San Francisco right now, they'd be playing the Kansas City Chiefs. There's no doubt about well, it. Well, you certainly can make that case, and you know Tom Brady, 
uh, was a great quarterback. You know, you forget because when he came into the league, he was, what, a fourth-round draft choice? Yep. Sixth-round draft choice. Thank you, James. That's James O'Sullivan, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, our great uh, – what do you, what's, what's your title here? Engineer. Producer, director. He's like Tom Cruise too. He's been he's been aging in reverse too, like Benjamin Buttons. Like you see the pictures of him when he came out of college. He's a little. You're talking about James? O'Sullivan? No, I'm talking about oh. Tom Brady. He's oh, a little Tom heavy. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, he got a pudgy face, uh-huh. and now the guy looks like he's 18 years old. Yeah, yeah, and he but he replaced Drew Bledsoe. Uh, not Drew Bledsoe. Yeah, Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe. Yeah. Uh, who was who was a very good quarterback for that team? And yeah. He got injured, and you'll and, remember that and, Super Bowl, and, won't you? Yeah, and comes Brady, and it's yeah, it was a Super Bowl in 2002 after the 2001 season the rams were heavily favored to win that super bowl and the uh, the patriots came in tom brady and they marched down the field and kicked that game winning field goals one of the few competitive super bowls that we've had well uh i hate to see him go i wish he could play another one i i don't know that he blew up his marriage over this i mean first of all he was married to a supermodel who's you know one of the more recognizable people on the planet what's her name uh, Giselle Bunchen. No. Um, and, you know, then you have Tom Brady. So you have two moguls, if you will. Um, who knows what goes on in people's private lives, particularly people of celebrity and wealth. Um, and, you know, obviously that's part of the narrative she put out. I didn't hear him uh, making those comments. So I wish he could have played another year. I don't blame him. Uh, for retiring, he's going to go now make a ton of money talking to us on Fox Sports. He's already made a ton of money. Well, yeah. I wonder if he's going to go to a luncheon with Bunchin. Uh, no. Maybe that's how they met. Maybe they met at a luncheon with Bunchin. That, yeah. that could be, you know, here's Tom Brady, and he's going to go to a luncheon with Bunchin, and boom, it's love. Do you think that's what it was? I think it was a luncheon with Bunchin, and it was love at first sight. Well, maybe, maybe There they so. were. Gazing at each other across the. Table. Wonder where we. Where, wonder where I could run into. Mich- uh, what's her name? Giselle Bunchen. Bunchen at the luncheon. Yeah, maybe. I, how do I get on that luncheon well, list? I'd like to, to go down and uh, meet buddy, her. Uh, you you meet women like no. No no no. I I would like to meet Giselle. Well, you know, you if it's all as it takes is a luncheon. Well, she's got to be getting older now. Who cares? Oh, okay. I, I'm, right. uh, buddy. I'm a, I'm an age appropriate kind of guy. Are you now? I'm not one of these guys that, that that's into that stuff. <laughs> Although, you know, look, uh, my 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 gal is Charlize Theron, who I think is she's older than the most you. incredible woman on she'd the planet. She'd be a she'd be a cougar to you next to my mother. Uh, yeah, she would be a cougar. Well, I called somebody the most incredible. Well, you gave me a look like that was weird, but <laughs> I called somebody the most incredible woman on the planet. I got to talk about my mom. Well, your mom is amazing. Yeah. Barb Kelly. Well, you, 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 who's the most incredible woman in your life? It's George Ann Hancock. Yes, there she is. Yeah, and now you got a, a close second in uh, Miss Tula. Tula. Tula is, uh, yeah, 10 months old. And Give us an update. Does Tula have teeth? She's got eight teeth. Most kids her age only have three, Michael. Is that right? She was uh, clapping and pointing at the doctor's office the other day, and the doctor said uh, that's very advanced for a 10-month-old. Have you have you bought her a little uh, toy piano? Uh, she's got a bell, so the bell set with the little ding-ding-dong thing. Ding, ding, dong. Yeah. Does so she have the musical ability, the Hancocks? Oh, the kid loves music, and she right. really likes uh, she really likes jazz. And when I sing Alberta Hunter to her, she loses it. I mean, it's she loves it. Well, this is uh, Hancock and Kelly. I want to remind you that you can see us on Sunday mornings yeah. at 8.30 on Fox 2 here in yeah, St. Louis. Whatever. We stick around here for the next hour, and we join the show 
Uh, that'd be Amy uh, Markscourse and Chris Ranji. Why are you doing this with a minute and a half? Because because uh, I thought it was only thirty seconds. Left. Well, you're being then we'll be back later <laughs> with Dave Glover. We've been here for uh, to talk years. about all of um, the out time is exactly the same every day, every hour, is every it? day, every week. And Michael starts winding so, up the show with a minute and a half. Do left. I get to start to expose your errors now that uh, you're going to start to expose no, mine? I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just pointing out the fact that there's still a minute to go, and uh, you're wrapping up the show, and we're going to have nothing to but say. But one of the things that we're going to try to do is uh, John Hancock is an excellent author of radio plays from the old Jack Carney days. Oh yes. And one of the things we're trying to dig up right here novel. in the archives at KMOX, I hope they haven't lost it because it was award-winning radio. Oh, yeah. Was a radio play you put together called Super Bowl Surprise. Well, and if one. you're around next week, we will take a good eight minutes to play for you Super Bowl Surprise. I think that and was six, six minutes and 20 seconds, if memory serves. Yeah. It's got uh, our own Debbie Monterey in she's it. She's in there. It's uh, got John to, Butler. John Butler. The old news director. Krusty, Krusty Buster. Buster. He was in, in the play. That was a, yeah, that was a great uh, little trip down memory lane. That's Michael Kelly. It's now time to wrap up the program, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> want to thank James O'Sullivan. Excellent job. The show is coming up next. We'll be there for the first hour. Won't you? I hope so. It's KMOX. 